chapter two of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two a glance at the ellis family i wish charlie would come with that tea exclaimed mrs ellis who sat finishing off some work which had to go home that evening i wonder what can keep him so long away he has been gone over an hour it surely cannot take him that time to go to watson's it is a great distance mother said esther ellis who was busily plying her needle and i don't think he has been quite so long as you suppose yes he has been gone a good hour repeated mrs ellis it is now six o'clock and it wanted three minutes to five when he left i do hope he won't forget that i told him half black and half green he is so forgetful and mrs ellis rubbed her spectacles and looked peevishly out of the window as she concluded where can he be she resumed looking in the direction in which he might be expected oh here he comes and caddy with him they have just turned the corner opened the door and let them in esther arose and on opening the door was almost knocked down by charlie's abrupt entrance into the apartment he being rather forcibly shoved in by his sister caroline who appeared to be in a high state of indignation where do you think he was mother where do you think i found him well i can't say i really don't know in some mischief i'll be bound he was on the lot playing marbles and i've had such a time to get him home just look at his knees they are worn through and only think mother the tea was lying on the ground and might have been carried off if i had not happened to come that way and then he has been fighting and struggling with me all the way home see continued she bearing her arm just look how he has scratched me and as she spoke she held out the injured member for her mother's inspection mother said charlie in his justification she began to beat me before all the boys before i had said a word to her and i wasn't going to stand that she is always storming at me she don't give me any peace of my life oh yes mother here interposed esther tad is too cross to him i must say that he would not be as bad as he is if she would only let him alone esther please hush now you have nothing to do with their quarrels i'll settle all their differences you always take his part whether he be right or wrong i shall send him to bed without his tea and to-morrow i will take his marbles from him and if i see his knees showing through his pants again i'll put a red patch on them that's what i'll do now sir go to bed and don't let me hear of you until morning mr and mrs ellis were at the head of a highly respectable and industrious coloured family they had three children esther the eldest was a girl of considerable beauty and amiable temper caroline the second child was plain in person and of rather shrewish disposition she was a most indefatigable housewife and was never so happy as when in possession of a dusterous scrubbing brush she would have regarded a place where she could have lived in a perpetual state of house-cleaning as an earthly paradise between her and master charlie continual warfare existed interrupted only by brief truces brought about by her necessity for his services as water-carrier when a service of this character had been 
duly rewarded by a slice of bread and preserves or some other dainty hostilities would most probably be recommenced by charlie's making an inroad upon the newly cleaned floor and leaving the prints of his muddy boots thereon the fact must here be candidly stated that charlie was not a tidy boy he despised mats and seldom or never wiped his feet on entering the house he was happiest when he could don his most dilapidated unmentionables as he could then sit down where he pleased without the fear of his mother before his eyes and enter upon a game of marbles with his mind perfectly free from all harassing cares growing out of any possible accident to the aforesaid garments so that he might give that attention to the game that its importance demanded he was a bright-faced pretty boy clever at his lessons and a favourite both with tutors and scholars he had withal a thorough boy's fondness for play and was also characterised by all the thoughtlessness consequent thereon he possessed a lively affectionate disposition and was generally at peace with all the world his sister caddy excepted caroline had recovered her breath and her mind being soothed by the judgment that had been pronounced on master charlie she began to bustle about to prepare tea the shining copper tea-kettle was brought from the stove where it had been seething and singing for the last half-hour then the teapot of china received its customary quantity of tea which was set upon the stove to brew and carefully placed behind the stove-pipe that no accidental touch of the elbow might bring it to destruction plates knives and teacups came rattling forth from the closet the butter was brought from the place where it had been placed to keep it cool and a corn-cake was soon smoking on the table and sending up its seducing odour into the room overhead to which charlie had been recently banished causing to that unfortunate young gentleman great physical discomfort now mother said the bustling caddy it's all ready come now and sit down whilst the cake is hot do put up the sewing esther and come neither esther nor her mother needed much pressing and they were accordingly soon seated round the table on which their repast was spread put away a slice of this cake for father said mrs ellis for he won't be home until late he is obliged to attend a vestry meeting to-night mrs ellis sat for some time sipping the fragrant and refreshing tea when the contents of two or three cups one after another had disappeared and sundry slices of cornbread had been deposited where much cornbread had been deposited before she began to think about charlie and to imagine that perhaps she had been rather hasty in sending him to bed without his supper what did charlie to-day in his dinner-basket to take to school with him she inquired of caddy why mother i put in enough for a wolf three or four slices of bread with as many more of corned beef some cheese one of those little pies and all that bread-pudding which was left at dinner yesterday he must have had enough but mother you know he always gives away the best part of his dinner interposed esther he supplies two or three boys with food there is that dirty kinch that he is so fond of who never takes any dinner with him and depends entirely upon charlie he must be hungry do let him come down and get his tea mother notwithstanding the observations of caroline that esther was just persuading her mother to spoil the boy that he would be worse than ever 
and many other similar predictions esther and the tea combined won a signal triumph and charlie was called down from the room above where he had been exchanging telegraphic communications with the before-mentioned kinch in hopes of receiving a commutation of sentence charlie was soon seated at the table with an ample allowance of corn-bread and tea and he looked so demure and conducted himself in such an exemplary manner that one would have scarcely thought him given to marbles and dirty company having eaten to his satisfaction he quite ingratiated himself with caddy by picking up all the crumbs he had spilled during tea and throwing them upon the dust heap this last act was quite a stroke of policy as even caddy began to regard him as capable of reformation the tea-things washed up and cleared away the females busied themselves with their sewing and charlie immersed himself in his lessons for the morrow with a hearty good-will and perseverance as if he had abjured marbles for ever the hearty supper and persevering attention to study soon began to produce their customary effect upon charlie he could not get on with his lessons many of the state capitals positively refused to be found and he was beginning to entertain the sage notion that probably some of the legislatures had come to the conclusion to dispense with them altogether or had had them placed in such obscure places that they could not be found the variously coloured states began to form a vast kaleidoscope in which the lakes and rivers had been entirely swallowed up ranges of mountains disappeared and gulfs and bays and islands were entirely lost in fact he was sleepy and had already had two or three narrow escapes from butting over the candles finally he fell from his chair crushing caddy's new trimmed bonnet to the intense grief and indignation of that young lady who inflicted summary vengeance upon him before he was sufficiently awake to be aware of what had happened the work being finished mrs ellison caddy prepared to take it home to mrs thomas leaving esther at home to receive her father on his return and give him his tea mrs ellison caddy wended their way towards the fashionable part of the city looking in at the various shop-windows as they went numberless were the great bargains they saw there displayed and diverse were the discussions they held respecting them oh isn't that a pretty calico mother that with the green ground tis pretty but it won't wash child those colours always run just look at that silk though now that's cheap you must acknowledge only eighty-seven and a half cents if i only had a dress of that i should be fixed laws caddy replied mrs ellis that stuff is as lazy as a wash cotton handkerchief and coarse enough almost to sift sand through it wouldn't last you any time the silks they make nowadays ain't worth anything they don't wear well at all why continued she when i was a girl they made silks that would stand on end and one of them would last a lifetime they had now reached chestnut street which was filled with gaily dressed people enjoying the balmy breath of a soft may evening mrs ellis and caddy walked briskly onward and were soon beyond the line of shops and entered upon the aristocratic quarter into which many of its residents had retired that they might be out of sight of the houses in which their fathers or grandfathers had made their fortunes mother said caddy this is mr grant's new house isn't it a splendid place they say it's like a palace inside they are great people them grants i saw in the newspaper yesterday the young mr augustus grant had been appointed an attache to the american legation at paris the newspapers say he is a rising man 
well he ought to be rejoined mrs ellis for his old grandeddy made yeast enough to raise the whole family many a pennyworth has he sold me laws how the poor old folk do get up i think i can see the old man now with his sleeves rolled up dealing out his yeast he wore one coat for about twenty years and used to be always bragging about it as they were thus talking a door of one of the splendid mansions they were passing opened and the fashionably dressed young man came slowly down the steps and walked on before them with a very measured step and peculiar gait that's young dr whiston mother whispered caddy he's courting young miss morton you don't say so replied the astonished mrs ellis why i declare his grandfather laid her grandfather out old whiston was an undertaker and used to make the handsomest coffins of his time and he is going to marry miss morton what next i'd like to know he walks exactly like the old man i used to mock him when i was a little girl he had just that hop-and-go kind of gait and he was the funniest man that ever lived i've seen him at a funeral go into the parlour and condole with the family and talk about the dear departed until the tears rolled down his cheeks and then he'd be down in the kitchen eating and drinking and laughing and telling jokes about the corpses before the tears were dry on his face how he used to make money he buried almost all the respectable people about town and made a large fortune he owned a burying ground in coates street and when the property in that vicinity became valuable he turned the dead folks out and built houses on the ground i shouldn't say it was a very pleasant place to live in if there are such things as ghosts said caddy laughing i for one wouldn't like to live there but here we are at mr thomas's how short the way has seemed caroline gave a fierce rap at the door which was opened by old aunt rachel the fat cook who had lived with the thomases for a fabulous length of time she was an old woman when mrs ellis came as a girl into the family and had given her many a cuff in days long past in fact notwithstanding mrs ellis had been married many years and had children almost as old as she herself was when she left mr thomas aunt rachel could never be induced to regard her otherwise than as a girl oh it's you is it said she gruffly as she opened the door don't you think better break the door down at once rapping as if you was gwine to tear off de knocker is dat de way gal you comes to qualities houses you lived here long nuff to larn better dan dat and dis is twice i've been to de door in de last half hour if any one else comes dear they may stay outside shut de door after you and come into de kitchen and don't keep me standin here all night added she puffing and blowing as she waddled back into her sanctum waiting until the irate old cook had recovered her breath mrs ellis modestly inquired if mrs thomas was at home go up and see was the surly response you've been upstairs he often enough to know de way go long wid you gal and don't be bothering me cause i don't feel like being bothered now mind i tell you here you cat sat down on dis stool and let that cat alone i don't let any one play with my cat continued she and you'll just let him alone if you please or i'll make you go sit in de entry till your mother's ready to go i don't see what she has you brats tuggin after her for whenever she comes here she might just as well leave yer at home to darn your stockings i spect dey want it poor caddy was boiling over with wrath but deeming prudence the better part of valour she did not venture upon any worthy contest with aunt rachel but sat down upon the stool by the fireplace in which a bright fire was blazing up the chimney an old smoke-jack was clicking 
whirling and making the most dismal noise imaginable this old smoke-jack was aunt rachel's especial protege and she obstinately and successfully defended it against all comers she turned up her nose at all modern inventions designed for the same use as entirely beneath her notice she had been accustomed to hearing its rattle for the last forty years and would as soon have thought of committing suicide as consenting to its removal she and her cat were admirably matched he was as snappish and cross as she and resented with distended claws and elevated back all attempts on the part of strangers to cultivate amicable relations with him in fact tom's pugnacious disposition was clearly evidenced by his appearance one side of his face having a very battered aspect and the fur being torn off his back in several places caddy sat for some time surveying the old woman and her cat in evident awe of both she regarded also with great admiration the scrupulously clean and shining kitchen tins that garnished the walls and reflected the red light of the blazing fire the wooden dresser was a miracle of whiteness and ranged thereon was a set of old-fashioned blue china on which was displayed the usual number of those unearthly figures which none but the chinese can create tick-tock went the old dutch clock in the corner and the smoke-jack kept up its whirring noise old tom and aunt rachel were both snapping and so caddy having no other resource went to sleep also mrs ellis found her way without any difficulty to mrs thomas's room her gentle tap upon the door quite flurried that good lady who we speak it softly was dressing her wig a task she entrusted to no other mortal hands she peeped out and seeing who it was immediately opened the door without hesitation oh it's you is it come in ellen said she i don't mind you i've brought the night-dresses home said mrs ellis laying her bundle upon the table i hope they'll suit oh no doubt they will did you bring the bill asked mrs thomas the bill was produced and mrs ellis sat down whilst mrs thomas counted out the money this having been duly effected and the bill carefully placed on the file mrs thomas also sat down and commenced her usual lamentation over the state of her nerves and the extravagance of the younger members of the family on the latter subject she spoke very feelingly such goings-on ellen are enough to set me crazy so many nurses and then we have to keep four horses and its company company from monday morning until saturday night the house is kept upside down continually money money for everything all going out and nothing coming in and the unfortunate mrs thomas whined and groaned as if she had not at that moment an income of clear fifteen thousand dollars a year and a sister who might die any day and leave her half as much more mrs thomas was the daughter of the respectable old gentleman whom dr whiston's grandfather had prepared for his final resting-place her daughter had married into a once wealthy but now decayed carolina family in consideration of the wealth bequeathed by her grandfather who was a maker of leather breeches and speculator in general miss thomas had received the offer of the poverty-stricken hand of mr morton and had accepted it with evident pleasure as he was undoubtedly a member of one of the first families of the south and could prove a distant connection with one of the noble families of england they had several children and their incessant wants had rendered it necessary that another servant should be kept now mrs thomas had long had her eye on charlie with a view of incorporating him with the thomas establishment and thought this would be a favourable time to broach the subject to his mother she therefore commenced by inquiring how have you got through the winter ellen 
everything has been so dear that even we have felt the effect of the high prices oh tolerably well i thank you husband's business it is true has not been as brisk as usual but we ought not to complain now that we have got the house paid for and the girls do so much sewing we get on very nicely i should think three children must be something of a burthen must be hard to provide for oh no not at all rejoined mrs ellis who seemed rather surprised at mrs thomas's uncommon solicitude respecting them we have never found the children a burthen thank god they are rather a comfort and a pleasure than otherwise i am glad to hear you say so ellen very glad indeed for i have been quite disturbed in mind respecting you during the winter i really several times thought of sending to take charlie off your hands by the way what is he doing now he goes to school regularly he hasn't missed a day all winter you should just see his writing continued mrs ellis warming up with a mother's pride in her only son he won't let the girls make out any of the bills but does it all himself he made out yours mrs thomas took down the file and looked at the bill again it's very neatly written very neatly written indeed isn't it about time that he left school don't you think he has education enough she inquired his father don't he intends sending him to another school after vacation where they teach latin and greek and a number of other branches nonsense nonsense ellen if i were you i wouldn't hear of it there won't be a particle of good result to the child from any such acquirements it isn't as though he was a white child what use can latin or greek be to a coloured boy none in the world he'll have to be a common mechanic or perhaps a servant or barber or something of that kind and then what use would all his fine education be to him take my advice ellen and don't have him taught things that will make him feel above the situation he in all probability will have to fill now continued she i have a proposal to make to you let him come and live with me a while i'll pay you well and take good care of him besides he will be learning something here good manners etc not that he is not a well-mannered child but you know ellen there is something every one learns by coming in daily contact with refined and educated people that cannot but be beneficial come now make up your mind to leave him with me at least until the winter when the schools again commence and then if his father is still resolved to send him back to school why he can do so let me have him for the summer at least mrs ellis who had always been accustomed to regard mrs thomas as a miracle of wisdom was of course greatly impressed with what she had said she had lived many years in her family and had left it to marry mr ellis a thrifty mechanic who came from savannah her native city she had great reverence for any opinion mrs thomas expressed and after some further conversation on the subject made up her mind to consent to the proposal and left her with the intention of converting her husband to her way of thinking on descending to the kitchen she awoke caddy from a delicious dream in which she had been presented with the black silk that they had seen in the shop window marked eighty-seven and a half cents a yard in the dream she had determined to make it up with tight sleeves and infant waist that being the most approved style at that period five breaths are not enough for the skirt and if i take six i must skimp the waist and cape murmured she in her sleep wake up girl what are you thinking about said her mother giving her a mother's shake oh said caddy with a wild and disappointed look i was dreaming wasn't i i declare i thought i had that silk frock in the window the girls heads are always running on finery wake up and come along i'm going home caddy followed her mother out leaving aunt rachel and todd nodding at each other as they dozed before the fire 
that night mr ellis and his wife had a long conversation upon the proposal of mrs thomas and after divers objections raised by him and set aside by her it was decided that charlotte should be permitted to go there for the holidays at least after which his father resolved he should be sent to school again charlie the next morning looked very blank on being informed of his approaching fate caddy undertook with great alacrity to break the dismal tidings to him and enlarged in a glowing manner upon what times he might expect from aunt rachel i guess she'll keep you straight you'll see sights up there she is cross as sin she'll make you wipe your feet when you go in and out if no one else can let him alone caddy gently interposed esther it is bad enough to be compelled to live in a house with that frightful old woman without being annoyed about it beforehand if i could help it charlie you should not go i know you'd keep me home if you could but old cad here she always rejoices if anything happens to me i'll be hanged if i stay there said he i won't live at service i'd rather be a sweep or sell apples on the dock i'm not going to be stuck up behind their carriage dressed up like a monkey in a tail-coat i'll cut off my own head first and with this sanguinary threat he left the house with his school-books under his arm intending to lay the case before his friend and adviser the redoubtable and sympathizing kinch End of chapter two